So therefore, be proud to be a decent American rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace and hit them hard as part of the game. It's not chess we're playing. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double tap does what the f he wants. Hello everybody and welcome along to WTS Pod 117. I made a ball to that. It's WTS 117. <laughs> what did you say? It's a WTS Pod 117. I've uh, never said that in my life. What so, WTS yeah. 117? There we go. Good start this week as always. Uh, my name is Danny Murray. Okay, Mary again. And we're coming to you from Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Do you want to tell them about the hotel? No. Didn't think so. Yeah, it's it's great, and that's why Graham struggles to find the words to express how wonderful it is. <laughs> but you can see it yourself. If you're inclined, you pop up to it or go to FitzpatrickCastle.com for more. Merrow, yes. Who have we got this week? We've got RT Two FM game on. RT Two FM game on. Hugh Cal, how are you? Hugh? Yeah, good lads. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, good as, stuff. As you can see, slick operation there. Now where is that all in the intro? <laughs> <laughs> The worst part is I can easily edit this out, but at this stage, I'm like, ah, no, no, sounds don't. more authentic, when you're Yeah, that, that's what people tell us. You don't need to do any editing. Um, yeah, oh, uh, before we kick off, we need to give a quick shout out to uh, Paul Howard and his new book, Operation Transformation. Transformation, yeah. He, some titles, man, some yeah. titles. Um, people have been at us already asking about Paul to be coming back on at Christmas, and he's being at us asking if he's coming back <laughs> yeah. on at Christmas. So he will be back on at Christmas. So even if we didn't want him, he's coming on. The show's on so. the 80 as well. Is it? Um, postcards to the Ledge. Postcards to the Ledge. Yeah. Starring? Rory. Nolan. Who lives, used to live literally half a mile down the road. Oh, wait. And I went to school with. Yeah. Rory, did you? I went to CBC Monkstown, yeah. Oh, well. And still good friends with him. On a WhatsApp group, there's five of us from Monkstown who have been great pals, and Rory's one of the lads, so yeah. Did you see him in his last play? Yeah, yeah he was brilliant, 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 wasn't he? Super. I love, but he's, yeah, I always knew he was going to be really, really successful. And he was in Fair City as well. Fair City, yeah. Um, you bring up. I don't think you've like ever, yourself. I don't think you've ever brought Fair City up. No, I've never brought Fair City up. Yeah, the plug in. Yeah, the plug in. <laughs> yeah. So Rory would be a good friend of mine, but yeah. So he's that's a one man show as well. Mm. Tough thing to do. His first ever acting gig in UCD was a one man show as well. Really? And first ever. First ever in UCD because he he did basically he was it was in UCD for three years and then he went on to do to study acting afterwards. But he was head of the drama society in UCD, and his first ever show. In UCD Drama Society was a one-man show. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I remember it was all going in, having a few points, going into Zim, and just being going, wow, you know? Yeah. Because other than that, the only time I'd ever seen him act before that was in our transition year musical that we did in Monkstown, which was Oklahoma the first year and Greece slightly in the second year. Who did you play? Uh, I was one of the background cast. I was brilliant at the background. <laughs> <laughs> Stood out a mile. The red hair. <laughs> or Rory's standing, you know? It was in the red hair. Just in case. He never happened. got sick somehow. I don't know. What, yeah. Even pneumonia. They said, Rory, you're going on. That chap's not going near this. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's deadly. Yeah. Well, he's connection there. Two successful lads in the group. Well, two more successful lads in that group. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I, I, there's actually, the, my, the year that I was in Mungstown, there was, how should we say this? Like, we probably weren't the most academic bunch you could ever meet, but... All the lads are doing really well. A lot of guys in um, graphic design. Carl Toomey's over in London at the moment, another, another friend of ours who's doing really well, making a lot of waves over there. 
yeah, we weren't the most academic minded, but they were just a great bunch of lads, still friends with a lot of them. Yeah. We still hang around, I suppose, trying to meet up as much as we can. A lot of the lads have kids now and stuff, so it's more difficult, but yeah, yeah a lot of great lads. And, um, yeah. Class. So, yeah. Nobody really tries to keep in touch with you, do they? Yeah, loads. <laughs> Uh, Hughes Woodard does every six months yeah but he's mad now so <laughs> yeah. he said to ask me to ask you about Kara someone you fell in love at 10 years of age oh jeez yeah That's, you jumped straight in off the deep end with that one man I, know, yeah. I just tried yeah. to hang him there Kara Redden yeah down with Kerry <laughs> myself and uh, myself Cormac and my cousin Shane uh, went down on a family holiday with my parents down to Kerry Ken Mare for two weeks lovely pissed part rain for two weeks so um yeah, we basically we spent a lot of time cooped up indoors and this girl and her family kind of moved into the house three doors down for us and myself, Cormac and my cousin Shane basically used to beat the heads off each other trying to compete for her affections <laughs> and I managed to win out. Yeah! I don't know how. She must have had a thing for Tintin looking redheads or something <laughs> like that. But, um, so yeah, that was yeah, God, that was a long time ago. You've been on to Cormac obviously getting getting the background information. Well, right? I didn't ask. He offered. He said, "Ask about Karen." I said, "Who the fuck's oh, Karen?" Oh God! I tell you what. I actually that. So yeah, that was my first ever girlfriend, Cormac. In the meanwhile, her younger sister Andrea. We we're only about eleven, and we we're trying to pair up Cormac with her younger sister Andrea, and we locked them in a room together and thought the two of them would kind of, you know, maybe have a little kiss or a little cuddle. We we're only eleven years of age at the time, so we thought we'd done a brilliant job setting them up, locked them in the room together. We come outside the house, and what do we see? Only Cormac climbing out the front window, <laughs> refused to be left in the room. She was gorgeous as well. So Legging it was wrong with him. <laughs> Legging it was he exactly? Yeah. Yeah. All my brother ever done was batter me when I was younger, so yeah, like at least, at least you tried to get him a kiss. I like, did that to him as well. Yeah, I'm the eldest, so I, I bashed Carl. That's true, yeah. yeah. Poor old Carl had to put up with you, yeah. Yeah, he's all right, Um, yeah, so game on is doing great. Congratulations, thanks, William. Yeah, no, it's, it's going okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think the listenership in the last kind of two years has gone up 25 to 30 percent, which is great. Generally, radio figures up to seven o'clock at night that kind of goes off a bit of a cliff, but yeah. Uh, I have to say, I really enjoy it, uh, doing the show with Alan Cawley and, and Gary Murphy. The lads are great, yeah. very easy to work with. We only so. had Alan a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, no, it was great. Because like, when I took over, basically, uh, Damien O'Mara presented the, the programme before I kind of stepped in, and he, he did it on his own, and I, I kind of suppose one of the things, the changes that I wanted to make was to have other people in the studio. Because sport, like the three of us sitting around there chatting, like sport is, by its very nature, it's a conversation piece, right? So, yeah. so kind of sitting in the studio on your own, it's not a fair reflection of, of I suppose how most, most of us would talk about sports and a kind of interactive sport so uh, Alan had come in and done a couple of shows with Damien and his interest is across everything obviously football is his main sport but he's interested in him he could talk about anything yeah. and he's Gary Murphy talker, as well he? Oh, yeah. I, I started with uh, Alan Dublin FM years ago yeah. we used to do a league of Ireland show with him brilliant like, yeah and he, I used to, used to lo- always love talking loves every, love yeah. all aspects of sport mm-hmm. and, and well able to talk about it mm-hmm. as well which is great and then Gary Murphy had done a, a golf slot as well on the show before but he'd just come in and do 10 minutes and he'd leave and he, he came in the first week I remember and he was sitting outside and I said why is Gary sitting outside get him in for the whole show you know not just the 10 minutes lot so we started to make it a regular thing and, and uh, it's just kind of kind of grown up from there so yeah, yeah. No, it's that, great you're right though it is better like that isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely better, yeah. I'm sure nobody wants to hear mm-hmm. I'm just a presenter like the two lads have professional sport experience like so Alan with his time over in England and then, and then the League of Ireland and Gary who's been on the professional golf circuit for on the European tour for the goods of 15, 20 years. So they have a huge amount of experience about what it's like to compete at the top level. Yeah. So 
if you can get their opinions on other sport based from their own experience, I just think that adds to the conversation and, and their insight as well when we're doing interviews and stuff is brilliant. It's been brilliant for me to have them to kind of fall back on and, and to come in about stuff because they would ask questions that I would never think about, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. they'd have experience of stuff. Even say, you know, Gary standing over a 10-foot putt that's worth 250 grand if he gets it and it's not if he doesn't, you know? And <laughs> like that kind of experience in, in pressure situations has been brilliant to bring into the interviews and to kind of kind of drive the start of the show so it's and been th- great does he be thinking of the 250 grand I, I try and remind him of it as much as he possibly can <laughs> just to take him down a peg or two whenever he's getting a bit mouthy but it's just you know I suppose like if, if Robbie Keane goes out for Ireland and misses the penalty and we're going oh god next day you know how did he feel over that if the World Cup you know if Ireland if he gets the penalty Ireland are true to a World Cup or if he misses you know in the Premier League you know it might cost Spurs a place in, in the top four to have lads who, who have experience of what that pressure is like, the most pressure I've ever been under is trying to knock over a conversion for a J3 rugby team in Greystone. So <laughs> you can't really relate the two, you know. So to be able to ask ah, those lads, <laughs> 700 they, rungs down the ladder. Yeah. That's but like to have lads who are there working with you who have that experience is great, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, did you always want to get into media? Um, you started in 98 FM was it? started in 98 FM yeah under Johnny Lyons he gave me my first ever break wow Jesus the great Johnny yeah and um, it was amazing actually because my brother Cormac who you mentioned there he I was working in a a solicitor's firm so I was I did law in college in Waterford did well legal studies as it was and and I basically got a a break to get into a place called McCann Fitzgerald which is one of the top law firms in Ireland and and even in Europe that are kind of very well known and I got a bit of a lucky break to get in there uh, as an intern and the idea was that they were going to put me through the rest of my exams get me qualified and I would stay with them but I kind of realised very quickly that law wasn't for me um, just a lot of aspects to the industry that require a huge amount of time and you just have to be super committed to what you're doing and you have to really love what you're doing in order to pursue it so it would have been another seven or eight years for me of studying and working to get to where I needed to be to start earning kind of half decent money and I wasn't prepared to put in the work so I remember picking up Cormac, he was on his way home from college uh, one day, and he said to me, I heard an ad at 19th of Ember looking for sports reporters. So I said, okay, great. So I basically got a demo done up, sent it in to Johnny, uh, called him the following week, he said, yeah, yeah, great, come in, have an interview. And uh, passed the interview, which was the strangest interview I've ever had in my life. He sat me really? down. You know, Johnny, when Johnny came in, he's always wearing this heavy metal t-shirt, shaved head, mad as two brushes stuck together, and... He says to me, okay, yeah, so heard the demo, yeah, great, like the voice and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what do you drink? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, like, you know, what, what would you have to drink? Like, what do you like to drink? I said, ah, it should be point of Guinness, point of Guinness, whatever. If you're having a small one, what would you have? So maybe a Jack Daniels or something like that. Okay, great, when can you start? <laughs> really? Said, is that it, Johnny? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look at me, the voice is great, whatever. I said, you don't want to test out my sport? And I said, Who does Michael Owen play for? Liverpool. Great, when can you start? <laughs> Unbelievable. And that was it. He said, work out your notice in the job, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have you in, in in a week's time. So that was it. That was my first ever break. The following uh, Saturday, he brought me in to kind of get used to the ropes. Bear in mind, I had never done a live sport yeah, yeah. or a broadcast ever in my life. And a Saturday morning, I was supposed to come in, Johnny was going to show me the ropes for the day, this is how it all works. So I arrive into work at half eleven for the first bullet at one o'clock. No sign of Johnny at half eleven, quarter to twelve, twelve o'clock, still no sign of him. The phone rings at quarter past twelve. And it's Johnny, he says, Hubert! He says, 
Sorry about this, pal. I went out last night, had a bit of a mad one. I'm, I'm in bed with a six-foot blonde, and I'm not getting out of it. So, listen, just Geraldine will show you the ropes. Geraldine was doing the news for the day. She'll show you the ropes there. Get stuck in. Any problems, give us a shout. Okay? All right. Thanks, Johnny. And that was my first ever day of live sport on a radio station. What a great story to Unbelievable, that. man. Johnny, I like, he gave me my first ever start, and just a great guy. Like, I, I, like yeah. I, I can't believe he's gone, to be honest with you. I just cannot believe he's gone, but... Um, he was a, he was a brilliant guy, you know. I learned an awful lot through him. Like he was as, he was mad as a brush, but he was a really decent guy. And he was brilliant to me. And yeah. uh, getting your first start like that, yeah. How long say, did you work with? Stay at ninety eight. I was there just short of four years, maybe three and a half, four years. Uh, so I, I like during which time like my I was on the afternoon bulletin shift, but also I, you know he used to send me over to Six Nations games, Ireland matches, um, golf, the Ryder Cup, uh, go to soccer matches. Like basically, lot of all my kind of teeth was cut. Yeah, exactly. You're cutting your teeth in, in in that kind of industry, and he gave me a taste of all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it was it was brilliant. Absolutely loved it from day one. That's how, mental. That isn't was it? that. Yeah. How did you manage then the the difference? Because it's something that I'm always fascinated by. It's just anybody who can fill the silence when there's absolutely feck all going on in the match. So the commentary end of things. Like, yeah. That. Obviously, so that's complete, why you're in the. I was gonna say that's a completely different. Yeah. Well, I find yeah. it bizarre that you were in a law firm. Well, yeah, sorry, that's mad as well. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then going to ninety FM with a, a bizarre interview like that. Yeah. And then your commentary commentating Six Nations games. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like it's weird. <laughs> I, Deadly. I, I remember when I handed in my notice in, in McCaffrey's Gerald, I was working for a guy called Henry Lappin, and uh, Henry said to me, "Look." When I handed him, and I said, "Look, I've been offered this job," and he said, "Look, I think you, I think it'll be great, uh, but um, I think you're making the right decision. I don't think it would have worked out, and the all those sort of things." Because he just, I didn't have the interest, you know. Just yeah. guys in there, they get an opportunity in an offer like that, and they are in work at six in the morning. They don't leave till ten at night, and that's their life for yeah. four or five years. No, that's not. And life, I was looking it? at this, going, "No, I don't have the interest here to actually commit to that," because I was playing rugby at the time and. I was hanging around with my mates and like uh, there was more to life for me than, than going and de- devoting like 14 hour days 16 hour days inside a law firm so I just I knew that I didn't have it in me to, to give that kind of commitment so when the opportunity came to get into sports broadcasting which is something I always wanted to do but never really knew that I'd be able to do or that I ever get a chance to do uh, I jumped at it so yeah like the, that, that kind of grounding in 98FM was great for me and then from there I went to News Talk uh, and they got the Rugby World Cup in 2007 uh, and I worked with George Hook who obviously has been in the media a lot over the last <laughs> couple of weeks Ooh. we did the World Cup um, together for 2007 and not, not a vintage year for Ireland and World Cup. no Cups. it wasn't Ireland were done and dusted by the group stages yeah. and, and, but still I mean I was over in Cardiff for the quarterfinals when um, France got the better New Zealand and knocked them out which was just an incredible yeah. game to have done and then the semi-finals again both semi-finals and we were coming towards the final which was would have been the pinnacle of my career so far, World Cup final in Paris in the Stade de France. And we went out for dinner the night before, the lot of us. So myself, Simon Hick, who's now part of the second captains, yeah. George, sound engineer, Mike, and uh, I got food poisoning the night before the World oh, Cup final. Oh, no. So I, I remember waking up at five o'clock in the morning of the World Cup final and... Uh, been sick as a dog in a hotel room in Paris. Sick as a dog. I mean, not able to stop throwing up. Sick from five, six, seven, eight. Still no sign of getting better. Nine, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock in the morning. I had to go and call a doctor. Doctor came in, gave me an injection, and said, "Look, it's a combination of gastroenteritis, food poisoning." He said, "But you're there's no way you'll be able to do the match." 
Jesus. So my wife was with me at the time, um, and she rang George and said, look, George, you can't do the World Cup final. You're going to have to do it on your own. So I came up to the room, and I was literally, I was the colour of the sheet. I was white as a ghost. Um, and he took one look at me and said, okay, he can't do it, whatever. Uh, he gave Louise his credit card and said, if you need a doctor, hospital, whatever, just put in on that, just make sure he's okay. Uh, I'll be grounded. And George had to go off and do the World Cup final on his own. That's South Africa against wow. England. While I was stay in bed, just sick as a dog. So I missed the World Cup final. Jesus. Yeah. I was going to say, were you sick? Sick <laughs> as a parrot in every way. Because obviously yeah. I was dying to do the, the final. Do yeah. the final. That's like, what you know, did you have to eat? Pasta. Snail, does it? Snails no, it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything over it because I, I remember at the time even going out and saying, All right, just don't order it, man, because obviously don't take yeah. any chances. But actually, in fairness, like we went to an unbelievable restaurant, um, and I remember the doctors, I said, Doctors, oh, I went out for dinner last night in this really nice restaurant, and he said, Look, it wasn't this was in your system for at least two or three days, and so ah, it just hit me now. Yeah. So I said, It wasn't it you had last night, so I said, Okay, grand. So it could have been a kebab that I had at. Whatever, two in the oh, morning after a few I've, points or Don't whatever, blame the kebabs. I've, I've fallen victim of a couple of kebabs me time, I can <laughs> yeah, tell you. So. I'll tell you, no, there's nothing worse than food poison. But, yeah. you know, to happen on the, on the day of the World Cup final yeah. was just horrendous as well. You know? Yeah, that is. Yeah, Jesus. It wasn't great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but still, you've, you, you've recovered as such. Um, yeah. And you've got to see him in another good game. Like, um, like he is not a rugby man so it's kind of this, a, this conversation I am the, the, the national so. team I am yeah I, can, I, no, just, I can't take the club rugby for some reason well when I say I can't take I can't get an emotional attachment for to, some to reason to when you say Leinster Munster yeah, or whatever yeah, but yeah. I tell you I'm, I'm the same this time weird this time weird but like for me club rugby is my local club Greystones right? yeah. so they have their first AIL match this weekend at home and like I get excited about that and I want Greystones to do well but I don't feel an attachment to Leinster or to Munster or to Connacht or Ulster yeah. you obviously want to see Irish provinces do well mm. and when they do well and, and you know when Leinster won their three hunting cups and Munster before that like I was in Cardiff as a fan in 2006 when Munster beat Beards to win the first ever hunting cup and it was brilliant and it was yeah. super but like if people say to you are you a Munster fan or a Leinster fan I live in Leinster but like I love when the Irish teams do well and you always want them to do well and you always want them to, to, to beat opposition from different countries but for me club rugby is, is Greystones rugby football club that's that's what I get excited about yeah. and that's what I you know but uh, you know when you're commentating right and you know if you're having a chat with the lads and you're saying Sexton's crap isn't he lads he's not playing great does that cut, do you ever make sure that that does not come across in your commentary oh absolutely your personal well, is it yeah, hard though yeah 100% well you've got to try and, and, and stay as neutral as possible because nobody ultimately cares what I think it's it's the person mm. beside you whether it's it's Donald Lennon or whether it's Tony Ward or Ralph Keyes or Bernard Jackman they're the analysts and they have the pedigree and the playing career to back up whatever opinions they give my job is not to give an opinion mm. my job if I have an opinion on someone if I say okay well Graham just dropped the ball there uh, and, he, and he made a bad decision I can ask Donald sitting beside me well Donald was that the right decision or what did you think of that and phrase it in such a way whereby he has to give an opinion. But nobody really cares what my opinion is. And I shouldn't be giving opinions, really. I'm there mm. to call what's going on. They're there to say why something has happened or, you know, yeah. an opinion on, on what has just happened. So the, There's a huge the, difference, though, isn't there, between... Uh, the play-by-play. But listening yeah. to English sport <clears throat> commentators and Irish sport commentators, mm. the boyism in English sports commentary is, is bizarre like well i suppose yeah I, like, and it's hard it is a hard discipline to get into yourself is to not give an opinion like you can let 
people listening know how you feel by the certain tone of your voice, whether you're disappointed something's happening or whatever. But I suppose you've got to reflect what's going on on the pitch and then the safest way to play it is to is to let whoever your co-commentator is take over opinion-wise yeah. and give you their take on what it is. But it is a tough thing to do sometimes because you're, you're, especially if it's Ireland playing, you know, yeah. because if, if it's, you've invested obviously interest because you're, we're all Irishmen here and, and we're all Irish sports fans so you want Ireland to do well. So it is difficult if they're not doing well to try and hide your disappointment and, mm. and swallow it up but you have to try. You won't always be able to do it. No, yeah, exactly. You have to try. Did, did either you see uh, Jeff Stellan and Chris Kamara come over for the All-Ireland Final? Yeah. Well, I haven't watched the, the bit from the All-Ireland Final yet. Oh, that's I've, very good. I've watched yeah. the others and, and I've been enjoying them in fairness. Did, they did the media football. run yesterday with the radio stations and uh, Jeff Stellan said that this was part of a process with AIB Bank over the past three or four months so we went to grassroots yeah and yeah, the idea yeah. was to get them give them an idea grassroots then uh, inter-county and then county football leading mm. up to the all Ireland final, final. Yeah. but uh, along the way <coughs> they were assisted by Michal and Merhertig, um and Jeff Stanley was saying it was just bizarre we interviewed Michal and Merhertig for this show yeah. and I would say we interviewed him we just listened to him for yeah, for the hour that we had him, yeah. we were just listening to him because his recall, his recall, just... and then his storytelling. You don't even need to lead him on to. It. You just say talk, like, yeah. and he'll talk. But Jeff was just blown away that Michal knew um, the player's father was the local funeral director. And his brother's... Community side of it. Just the community yeah. side of it. He said it was just amazing. They said when they met Michal, and they met him a lot of times, and then they sat with him at the yeah. final, he just said it was just goosebumps with him all the time. It was bizarre. Well, sure, Michal, yeah. Like, he's still a legend. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he'll tell you what, he looks well for a yeah. man his age. Pioneer. You know, yeah. He looks like he could still be comment- commentating, yeah. no problem. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, there are, there are inside the RT Sports Department, there are lines of commentary up around the walls when they got the the kind of sports department where we are now uh, repainted and done up a bit they put lines of commentary in that say the likes of George Hamilton or Royal or Jerry Canning and Hall have given over the years like great lines of commentary in, in relation to big things and there's a few lines from Hall that, that are that, around the sports yeah. department that, that I, keep, his, keep his memory alive you know I love around actually around this time of year always around all Ireland time of year where uh, the Meehaulisms get passed around again and I imagine that's the kind of thing like some yeah. of us like the stuff he's came out with over the years. Like yeah, the great line about uh, Sean Ogo Halpin on the radio when Cork were playing yeah. and his, his mother is from Fermanagh, his father from Fiji, neither are Hurling Stronghold. <laughs> that's, that's up along the thing there. You know, yeah. but that's, look, he's so many of them already. That is you just know? unreal, though, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Brilliant. He didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's just the opposite. you know what? It was quite, like commentary, like, you know, the key for, I think, for good commentary, uh, for, just for me, listening to commentators, and there are commentators I really respect and try and model myself on a bit or mm. learn from who do you try and model yourself off well like you know so obviously in the moment in RT like you know I think Dara Maloney is one of the best commentators we have and it's kind of funny that like Dara is doing more presenting now that he is Commentary. commentating I just think he's a phenomenal commentator mm. um, you know George Hamilton would have grown up listening to George yeah. um, the late Fred Cogley obviously would have been, but like Bill McLaren is oh, for yeah. me was the voice of rugby for yeah. so long for me growing up I used to the Six Nations Five Nations as it was at the time like my dad would bring me to matches and we'd come back and we'd listen to Bill's commentary back of, of the games like Bill McLaren was just uh, I don't know hair stand up on the back of your neck stuff listen to him it was the voice the accent the knowledge yeah. and the way the intonation everything put together but uh, 
so he was he was the kind of guy that I suppose originally just drew me to, to commentary you know it's yeah and, and I think you're spot on because it's one of them things um, that like the when you associate a voice to a sport, like like you're saying about Bill McLaren being the voice of rugby team, yeah. saying like Murray Walker is the voice of Formula One for me, yeah. Sid Waddell is the voice of darts, yeah. Peter Dale is the voice of golf, do you know what I mean? And exactly. When, when you have that kind Jim of... Jim Ross is the voice of pro wrestling. There you go. There you go. <laughs> when you have that kind of you know connection with a voice that you instantly go, yeah, that's recognisable, and I wouldn't even need to hear him describe something about the sport, I just hear the voice and know what sport it is. Like Exactly. That's we, what, and, and that helps the emotional attachment as well, I think. We had John Matson on the show last week when he announced his retirement yeah. oh, wow. at the end of the season, and it was just great to, to, to listen to talk to him. And as soon as he started speaking, like you close your eyes and you listen to the voice and you go, sure, how could you be anything else? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. just had this amazing <laughs> yeah, voice, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, great just listen to him talk about his, his favourite moments over the years and, and the career he's 50 years at the BBC which it's is unbelievable isn't it incredible really when you think about it um, but yeah like you, you pick and choose from different people even like you know people like guys and, and, and women out there commentating today you know you, you listen to things and you realise obviously what works what doesn't work stuff that you could use you can borrow little tricks of the trade and I suppose having worked in the industry now for a few years you do kind of pick up stuff that different commentators do that you might be able to apply to your own stuff and you're learning the whole time here and you're you're i suppose you're you're learning as you go in a lot of sense but um equally the more experience you have you get to know what works and what doesn't work you know yeah. and if you listen to yourself back, i hate listening to myself back so do i, I rarely ever do it but sometimes i force myself to do it because you it's not oh, jesus why did you say that or why did you do mm. that that's why you don't listen back because yeah. <laughs> no, most of the time i end up doing that but it is a helpful tool to try and get better yeah. Do you know, uh, because if you're not getting better, then someone else will come and take your place. Um, obviously, you're 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 a consummate pro. But has there ever been an occasion where, like, either you know the 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 result or the outcome or something that's happened on the pitch has almost got kind of the better of you with it, where you've kind of had to bite your lip, but you've had to kind of go, well, uh, fuck's that, sake, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's loads of times where you want to say something and then you probably hold yourself back and there have been a few times where you know kind of said something that you wish maybe after you, you haven't thankfully mm. nothing that has got me the slack so far but there's plenty of time for that but <laughs> I suppose like uh, even that, that World Cup quarter final I mentioned 2007 when, where New Zealand were beaten by France and I remember listening back afterwards and like it was just an incredible game for so many different yeah. reasons New Zealand were the favourites to go in and France just coming and listening back to it after I remember like I just went to a place where like it was you know even less my voice was like this is unbelievable you know and it was but like you know as one of the lads says like you have to leave yourself somewhere to go and Royal Nugent has kind of said that to me a few times you know you have to leave room to go to another level if you need to you know so if it's a World Cup final and Ireland have just won the World Cup if that's 10 on a Richter scale and say you know Spurs have just beaten Preston in an FA Cup match yeah. if that's a four you know you have to leave yourself go to a level to reflect the importance of the occasion if you like so it's all about picking your gauge right mm. and, and you say right well what's actually happening here how important is this what kind of result is this I have to kind of try and reflect that you know in terms of your commentary but you know sometimes if you go if you get up to a, a level too quickly you've nowhere else to go it's very hard to come back down, whereas it's easy to go up and build towards something. You know, it's all about gauging it, though. Yeah, and again, yeah. experience is, is the main thing. Um, you mentioned France, New Zealand, there, which I would imagine, um, as a neutral, has got to be 
just great to, oh, to yeah, be a part super. of every single time. Like there's something special about when France play New Zealand. I find. I just, yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah. They know. Doesn't matter how. Does not seem to have any respect for New Zealand down their head? Yeah, it's great. Where, like <laughs> whereas Ireland, you know, obviously got Chicago, Chicago was years yeah. and years of, of hurt because probably gave New Zealand too much respect. But France mm. always had this arrogance about themselves, which was brilliant on the rugby pitch because they didn't take yeah. a backward step. Australia have it as well. Like they don't call New Zealand the All Blacks. They call them New Zealand. Yeah. Because the All Blacks kind of employ some kind of mythical. Yeah. force of rugby you know whereas maybe we did give New Zealand too much respect I always think for Brian O'Driscoll as well I would have loved yeah. if, if, if they had beaten them in Lansdowne Road that time that you time, know Jesus. That, that heartbreak at the end for him it would have been brilliant because he, he as far as I'm concerned he's the greatest rugby player and, and one of the greatest sports people we have ever ever had Definitely. and it just would have been a fitting way for him I think to top off what was an already incredible Career, yeah, but it was just that one in the box that he didn't take. You know? He's up it's there pretty, with um, <coughs> Roy Keane. Oh yeah, for, from like yeah. for me, O'Driscoll, he's he was absolutely my idol. Like you know, mm. my idol watching him play. I think we will never have a better rugby player, certainly in my lifetime, than, yeah. than Roy O'Driscoll. He he definitely made me in my brief stand as a prop believe I could be a centre which, <laughs> which is an achievement in itself like, you made Danny Bleach's air blonde as well oh yeah I, do, I went full I went all out man all out yeah. um, speaking of Roy Keane we were at the show where you emceed with Roy and Roddy oh were you yeah, yeah. that was good crack that was a good, that was good crack what, what yeah oh there's an apprehensive oh. I tell you I have to say right it's funny you say that I didn't enjoy that at all did you not no what, what did you not enjoy about it? I, I was nervous beforehand because it was Roy Keane, right? And That's what I was going to ask. Because did you have to meet him before? Or? Yeah, I did, and he was brilliant, and he was great. Uh, I actually... Okay, I might as well tell the story. So, about three days before the interview was due to take place, I knew obviously Roddy was going to be there, and uh, I met him at the launch Roy Keane's book launch and I got his number and I said look can I give you a ring during the week I said there's a couple of things I just want to run by you in terms of the way the conversation might go and he said yeah yeah no problem give us a ring so I rang him on the Wednesday or when was it I rang him maybe three or four days beforehand and uh, I said to him look so the way we're going to do it I said I'm going to bring you in early because obviously you wrote the book with Roy and I, like, I don't want to be kind of sitting there talking to Roy for 20 minutes and you not, not saying anything so to bring you in early I might just say look as a man who's written so many great books about mad Dublin characters and, and Dublin-based writing over the years. Did you have to change tack to take on one of Cork's most famous sons over the years? Was it, a, you know? I said, yeah, yeah, okay, grand. I said, just might bring you in that way just at the start to settle everyone down, get you coming. in and whatever. Yeah. So I said, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine, no problem at all. I said, grand, grand, so great. So anyway, introduced the two lads to come out on stage and the first thing I asked, turned to Roddy, said, well, Roddy, talk to Ryan just a second, but look, uh, you know, obviously as a man is used to writing about Dublin characters and, and they've written so many brilliant books over was it any different taking on one of, one of Cork's most famous sons and he said well I don't quite understand what you mean I said well uh, we went I'm over this <laughs> I did tell you I was going to ask you this and you said it would be fine yeah I don't quite understand I mean it's only it's only an hour and a half down the motorway so I don't quite get what your point is anyway and he went on to talk about something else and I just thought what a prick what Jesus, a prick man. to do that and like I wouldn't mind if I'd thrown the question at him that's the first question of the very first question and the idea behind it was that I would settle down it would get rid of any nerves because once people start once you get into it you're not nervous yeah. but it's just that initial thing and I had I, I don't do many things like that MC and stuff I just don't particularly enjoy it yeah uh, for that reason and I kind of said alright this time okay an exception because you're asked to do it and it's Roy Keane okay fine 
amazing to be asked to do it but uh, I just thought who does that you know who does something like that and uh, it's kind of stayed with me it was a lesson learned um, now as a thing like it, it went okay it was fine but I just I, I just could never and will never understand why someone would do that mm. so uh, yeah yeah that kind of, I suppose, that kind of tainted my view of the whole night. Was it mentioned now, afterwards? I went up to Roy after and said, look, thanks to Roy. Now, Roy Keane stepped in and whatever, and it was grand, but like whether I don't, whether or not he did it on purpose, but he knew the question that was coming. I had specifically rang him to tell him, to tell him, look, this is what's going to happen. And then he did that. And I just thought... Yeah, it seems a bit... hanging you, like... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus. So, uh, I've never forgotten that. But look, I don't know. I mean, look... Whatever his reasons are, fine. I went up to Roy after and said, Look, Roy, thanks for being there. Great, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even say him to Roy, I just walked off. Yeah. Really? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, so, was Roy sound, was he? Throughout sound, the whole process? Brilliant. No, no problem, whatever, blah, great, everything about it. Yeah, absolute gent about it. Brilliant. But uh, I just thought, it takes a certain type of someone to do something like that, I think. I don't know. But there mm. are kind of like, anytime I see Roddy Doyle do interviews, there was an interview with him recently. Was it with Second, Second Captains? Captains? Yeah, yeah. in his book, Smile. I mean, he was I talking a lot about Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he came across that well. I think his comments about the GA as well, I thought, were were a bit strange. But look, that's... Look, no, but there, 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 is, there is writers, though, that... There's writers that would be like that. And yeah. a bit... Ob- that's a bit obnoxious, t- yeah. to tell you the truth. I wasn't expecting it, and I completely... Like, like it took me... Do you know the way? Like it, it only the whole thing happened in about 15, 20 seconds, but it totally took me back because I wasn't expecting it and I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, having told him what was going to happen and a chance to settle, bring him into it, whatever. So then I said, "Oh sure, fuck him." Anyway, leave him sitting there for twenty minutes, and I just turned my attention to Roy. But like, you were looking out for him there, like that's hmm. well, that's Jesus. what I was. And then he hangs out. I was reaching out to say, "Look, bring him," because obviously people there to see Roy Keane. You know, no offense to Roy, but people were there because they're Roy Keane fans. But I just remember thinking. Why did he do that? Like you know, yeah, strange. Yeah, strange. It, it definitely, strange. Se- it definitely yeah. seemed like an odd move, all right. Like, and yes. if you ever, if I ever met him, I'd say to him, say to yeah. his face, you know, yeah. why did you do it? Yeah. But look, did you not feel like wanting to ask him after it? I just, to be honest with you, I just, oh, you just to, wanted to go home, did you? Because like, my, um, my brother-in-law, father over there, and there was a few heads that I wanted to go on a few points with, so I just said, you know, not wasting, You'd rather, yeah. not wasting any more time on him. Yeah. yeah. So uh, look, Roddy, Roddy Doyle is a, is a brilliant writer, and his books have been, you know, I've read most of them. And I'll read Smile as well. I haven't got around to it yet, but I just thought that was a, an odd thing to do. They don't often, uh, they, they don't often replicate the humour in their literature, do they? Some writers. I don't, yeah, in terms of the personality that they yeah, are versus yeah. what they write. Yeah, like the, think of yeah. the commitments and Paddy Clark and the van. And yeah. They're yeah. all just legends. Yeah. Yeah. But well, yeah. he comes across, in that instance, and <clears throat> his most recent interview with Second Captains, just comes across as a real like. Plus the Facebook. Why, why, why are you asking me this? I'm on. I'm, I'm not on Facebook, but I've I've read the little obituaries that he does. Over yeah. And again, I don't I don't understand what he's doing there. Like I don't yeah. get it. Like literally, I think he's within, looking within for twelve them. hours that someone passes away, he has a thing up. Whenever I just find it bizarre. It's a, yeah. he, he's he's replicating the conversation that might happen in a pub. Yeah, That's but what I, it I is. don't get them anyway. But he gets, he gets stick for that actually. Yeah, he gets yeah, absolute yeah. dogs abuse for it. Yeah, there's a couple of them that I've found a bit entertaining. But I think once you've read one, you're kind of going. Do you yeah. know these? Yeah, yeah, no, I've, I, yeah. I've I've read a couple of them, and yeah, like it wouldn't be something I'd be mad into myself. Like, yeah, but, that's know. a shame um, though that that like to be asked to interview Roy Keane. Let's face it, it was Roy Keane that everyone was there for. Yeah. Um. 
and then for something like that shit to happen like yeah. that's a pain in the yeah. hole <laughs> yeah and look Roy was brilliant as I said like you know Bertie Hearn was there as well was he? he was sitting behind us yeah, yeah. bell end <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Bertie gets a lot of stick. I tell you, he's like he's he's a, he's a mad sports fan. Well, there you got that. Yeah, I didn't realize he was there. Actually. Yeah, he was yeah. The, one of our mates got a photo of him and puts it up on Twitter every now and again. Yeah, really, yeah. I yeah, once yeah. I yeah. once thought I was I, I once done a thing with Bertie and I thought it was going to be deadly. It was like the first kind of in any way, shape, or form sort of like profiled person I ever done an interview with, and I thought yeah. oh, I'm gonna give him go fun. I don't really. Within five minutes, we were talking about United, and I was loving him. He had you, he had you eating out of his ass. <laughs> Isn't that the key, though? And then I le- you can see why he's such a good yeah. politician. And then I left yeah. St. Luke's. I was like 30 seconds out, and I was like, the fuck just happened? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. Genuinely, like, some people yeah. are like, you know, like they have this power of persuasion to get you around it. And I, I've had plenty of times I'm going to sit down in an interview going, I don't particularly like this person. You know, I'm not really looking yeah. forward to doing this. And then, as you say, 10 minutes into it, going, actually. Uh, I yeah. couldn't be more wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's so, good when that yeah. happens, isn't that's it? That's right. It yeah. is. It is. That's happened us loads of times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and like, look, I suppose, like you know, this is the thing, right? So so people have perception of of, of famous people based on on tiny microcosms of their life, you know, whether yeah. it's interviews that they give or or you know, like obviously what happens out if it's a sporting context, what happens on the pitch, or for politicians, what you hear in the doll. And that's not a true reflection of actually what they're like or who they are. Them as a human being. Like. Yeah, and you're making judgments on wholesale judgments on people based on snapshots of where it's very actually hard to find out what their true personality is like. So I've even over the years, like, you know, just tried to hold off judging people until you meet them. And mm. uh, sometimes it's it's easy just to kind of jump in there uh, and say, ah, our soul or whatever. But I think, yeah, I, like, it's, it's very difficult to know someone really based on, yeah. on their public persona, right? But, exactly, yeah, but the, the general consensus with any interview is that I've met Roy Keane is just like, oh, the man is hilarious. Yeah, he's and he's brilliant. Mm. He's brilliant. And he's just... Yeah. And he couldn't have been nicer about the whole thing. Yeah. He couldn't have been sounder about it, honestly. Uh, and that was, that was, I suppose, what I took from it. How did that come about that you got that gig? So... Uh, you don't like MCing, do you? No, I don't. And I don't do it at all. Like, I don't do it you at all. You couldn't turn I, down Roy Keane, though. Is, is that how you looked at it? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, the managing director of Hachette uh, Bookmakers basically asked me to do it. Uh, Deadly. And actually, uh, yeah, I just don't enjoy it. I don't... Like, it's weird. I could go and commentate on television in a World Cup final and there could be a million people listening and yeah. I wouldn't even think twice about it. I wouldn't get nervous. 100%, but, yeah. But something like that, stand up. I just don't. It's not something that I enjoy. I just don't enjoy it. Something like this, they're commentating. You're just having a chat. It's like a chat. Exactly. But then yeah. you're standing up. Like what was it, two and a half thousand people? Yeah, at that? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah. It is. But it's, and it's like it's people say. Oh, the more you do, it easier it gets. And maybe so. But it's just not something that I particularly enjoy. So yeah. if you stop doing uh, it now, yeah, I just don't do it. And people ask, and I always make excuses now and say, <laughs> no, I can't, or you know, just or, sorry, I have something else on. But I just mm. don't do it. Yeah, not into yeah. it. And uh, it's something obviously you can do and there's probably like a few pounds in it like if you're if you're good at it and stuff and whatever and some like Louise at home would say to me would you not consider like just practice and do more of it and therefore like you know but I just don't enjoy it so I just think yeah. Yeah. if you don't enjoy something enjoy like you're forcing yourself to do something you know, nah, and therefore you're not going to be yeah. any good at it so it's no point yeah. like, uh, do you remember last year that um, I think they're actually doing year two of it but I think they've changed venue that uh, sport conference one zero con- oh yeah and yeah. The, the Ewan McKenna Lance Armstrong fiasco like that yeah. like poor old Ewan got yeah. got in an awful sort of position by the entire thing that happened yeah, with that. Like, so and, then, and then Paul Kimmage when he, he drew attention yeah, to Boyd yeah. and asked me and then 
with Yule and obviously Jared interviewed him on off the ball and was still one of my that then still, he pulled out you know because yeah. Jared destroyed him like so that Jared destroyed oh my god it was amazing it was a brilliant interview oh it was brilliant like I worked with Jared for three and a half years in News Talk and all the lads there uh, Owen McDevitt was, would have been Derek here with the lads the second captain so yeah. I know them all really well but like that was a brilliant interview oh, he absolutely sensational yeah. and Lance Armstrong thought he could I was listening to that going what the fuck is yeah. going on here and he could, he, could, he could work his way worm his way out of it but Jared just pinned him to the wall oh. like, did, no, did you ever speak on McDevitt did, did you see his interview with John, John McGuinness uh, it was on the TV show Second Captains and Joe was talking about his book and I got real like Joe. Oh, Jim McGuinness. Jim McGuinness. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that? I did. That was a Again, another interview. example of a brilliant interview. Oh, Just yeah. brilliant. really brilliant. Owen, Owen's a great guy. We play football with him every Wednesday morning. Um, in Pembroke, there's a few of us to play uh, together, but a great guy. But again, the lads of second campus, I listen to them every day. Yeah. yeah. They're brilliant. And uh, that was, again, it's a really good example of how you can by doing your research and by, by leading people in certain directions you can just get what you want from the interview and it's not always mm. easy to do that you know but yeah. like that was a really good interview yeah but Jim just looks so awkward as, and well, it, was, uh, yeah, it wasn't no, an unreasonable question no they weren't in the circumstances Jim wasn't prepared to be fully honest I think originally with yeah. it and that's why I'm sure it was in his book came across quite yeah. badly I thought he was only at, he came Hang across on, I, I don't remember it so what, what was it, it, was, uh, it was on the second Cabin's TV show and yeah, but the, what, what was in his book? You said something was in it. Like. The Jim McGuinness, uh, whatever he, he was getting, I can't remember the full context. Can you? Can you um, so, is that the style of play? In relation to Kevin Cassidy uh, and the book that he had written, Yeah. basically, um, Kevin Cassidy was kicked off the, the Donegal panel for okay. writing a book, collaborating in a book That's that was written and was published, where he basically gave some insight into the, the dressing room and what had gone on in Donegal. Nothing earth shattering or nothing yeah, that yeah. was going to. But Jim McGuinness basically said, well, you've broken ranks. You've spoken about something in the dressing room that I didn't want you to talk about, so therefore you're off the panel. And then Jim McGuinness wrote a book where he basically Which, did the same thing geez, and spoke about oh, people. Yeah. And I was just making the point, is it not hypocritical for you to take a stance on a player like this and you've done exactly the same thing? But Jim answered and kind of fobbed him off and Owen just kept at him. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, It was like the... Great television. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Is that show coming back or what? Um, I don't know. Don't, I don't think there are any plans this year to do it. The lads are going out now on their, the World Service, whatever. Yeah. So it's, uh, mm. it seems to be going really great for them. I subscribe to it. I like subscribe to it as well. So uh, like Mark, Ken, Simon, they're great lads. They're, Ken's and, uh, politics podcast is brilliant. Yeah, no, he's excellent. Yeah. And like, Ken writes brilliant in football. Yeah. And... Yeah. yeah, no, I love it. I love the show. It's yeah. great. It's really, really good. You know, when you started with Game On, you would have probably what liked uh, rugby and horse racing. Was horse racing, uh, golf, as football. As uh, yeah, I mean, like as, as, as time has gone on, have you kind of adopted any other sport or leagues or? Well, I mean, like I was like I always really enjoyed sport just generally. I'd watch pretty much anything that's going on. Uh, like. I still play football, soccer with the lads. I played GA up until I was about 24, um, 25 with Air Oak down at Greystones. Golf, still play golf, playing with Gary Murphy tomorrow morning. Uh, Jesus, busy. Heat. Yeah, no, but like I love sport. Like just love, mm. always watch it. But um, is there anything that I kind of wonder? No, I mean, just like there's, there's still sports that I've no interest in, like cricket. I just can't, can't yeah, get can't back to it. Just yeah. don't like it. Uh, but I watch it. Like I literally will watch it, and, and I suppose that helps as well. Given the, I don't think you're yeah. a, a League of Ireland fan, are you? But you come across as I, half, I, half decent knowledge. I, I so is that because of Al or? Well, actually, when I worked in ninety eight FM, 
Dave Moore, who's, you know, Dermot and Dave are working today. Yeah, they yeah. had the breakfast show on 98 FM. And myself and Dave used to go up and watch Bohemians play quite a lot because Dave Fuck's and... Sake. Dave and... <laughs> Dave and... Uh, Damien Lynch would have been best pals. And Damo played uh, right full for, for Bowes during yeah. that time. Yeah. So myself and Dave would go up and we were on the morning shift together. We'd go up and we'd watch Bowes play on a Friday night. We'd go up, watch the game, whatever. And So, like, I'd always... Like, I've always had an interest in... In, in, in soccer full stop so football whatever like as you're right I probably wouldn't have been the League of Ireland's biggest fan in terms of going to a lot of games and stuff just because my times are the weekend like you can't go to everything but um, yeah I mean like I, I suppose having Alan on the show as well like his enthusiasm is infectious so it's like, so infectious you can't but be taken in by that yeah. and so even in the last three years I'd say like my knowledge and attention to the League of Ireland has even probably grown a huge amount in that time because of Alan and his yeah. influence yeah. you know so but equally as well, like you know, he he he, he Alan would have never watched a rugby match hardly before, but because of my influence on him now, he probably would have started to pay more attention. So that's just the way things happen. And you know? he told us he's his number oh. one sport is snooker. Yeah, shocked he, to hear he that. Was a, he was a really good snooker player when he was younger, and, and yeah, I went. We had a game in the RT club there about six months ago, and he absolutely wiped the floor. <laughs> me. And I wouldn't have been a bad snooker player. <laughs> Go um, mad, are you? Now pool table is different. I'd absolutely destroy him pool, but snooker, he's brilliant. Brilliant, really good. Um, other man, a snob, and my Fridays will be exclusively in the RDS. You're not getting me to a League of Ireland gang. Right? I don't want you to that League of Ireland gang. Uh, I don't want you. I'm associated with your sorts. Um, is there nothing then in terms of kind of like, goals are like, you know, do you have that kind of thing of like, I really want to, do something on this particular topic or I want to do something on this particular area of a sport like is there the urge to kind of get sort of a little bit deeper with things or so I'm I suppose like I came in in to RT in 2009 to, to predominantly to be a rugby commentator because they needed someone and um, mm. that's what it was was it yeah oh, right. on the back of the world that's brilliant isn't it so yeah it was and great but unfortunately now obviously RT have lost six nations to TV3 yeah uh there's the rights for the Pro 14 as it is now for next season and the Rugby Champions Cup for next season are up for negotiation at the moment so we're kind of hoping crossed. that maybe RT might get some rugby back uh, which would be great uh, but it started to do a bit I of forgot RT lost the Six Nations yeah, yeah TV3 so from, I, don't know, I don't know how I feel about this from the, next year TV3 will have it for the next four years the World Cup is, didn't do much for me uh, that was that was uh, I mean it's, it was that was a tough one to take definitely because mm. the Six Nations is just it's really a competition. And every year you come out of Christmas, like, you know, and you're heading into January in the winter, whatever that, but yeah. it was always, I had the six nations to look forward to. Uh, and obviously that won't be the case the next four years. But sure, look, that's life in mm. modern sport and with rights, TV rights, that's the way things goes. You mm. have stuff, you lose stuff. But it'd be great if they did get some rugby back. But um, I'm starting to do a bit of commentary for World Rugby now on the seventh circuit, which is brilliant. I love, love seventh seven. rugby. And um, that'll kind of keep me taking over for next year. Um, and the Irish sevens may start to become a little bit more prominent as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So they yeah. qualify for the World Cup in San Francisco next summer. The women's team are on the on the yeah. regular HSBC circuit now, so that'll kind of keep me going. The commentary side of things is great. I did I've started to do a little bit of football commentary inside for RT as well. I did a Confederations Cup from there over the summer. Oh yeah, it's great. Which because I've always loved football. So, uh, look, we'll see what happens. But I mean, commentary is my favourite yeah. medium of sports broadcasting. I love doing the show. Radio is brilliant. Game on is great. But commentary is is what I love to do most and more than anything else. Yeah. I think. And yeah, is I think. it is it reassuring to know that people prefer to hear you because of the course of Royal Nugent? Or <laughs> 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 the course of Royal Nugent. I tell you what. So yeah, the course of Royal Nugent at the 2011 World Cup. But um, the following year, I did Ireland Scotland over Murrayfield. Yeah. And 
Ireland were beaten. So you were the Declan Kidney's <laughs> last game. So I was, was that O'Gara's last game as well. O'Gara's last game and yeah. Declan Kidney's last game, and. Ireland lost that match because I was commentating and it wasn't Royal. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. So the curse of Royal and Hugh, depending on who's losing who's the match, yeah. Yeah. Sure, like that kind of rubbish. It's like you laugh as you get to be, oh, Jesus, if Royal had done that, we would have won. The same way Royal, when he did the Wales match, when he took over for the, after the Grewal stages, oh, if Hugh had done the Wales match, we would have won. Absolutely. <laughs> this is what people are saying, you know, the, they're sending you these messages and they're going, are you off your head? The, 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 the Wales ridiculous. match, the, the Wales match, genuinely, like it was as if people believed that Royal Nugent was a force of evil for that match. Like, that, <laughs> that'll tell you what you're dealing with. Oh, this will tell you, people like, getting into their heads that this actually seriously makes a difference yeah honest to god <laughs> they genuinely believe it it's crazy you know and like a couple or two would say it and they'd be taking the piss and they'd be having a crack but there are people out there who genuinely believe oh if if that had happened yeah. sorry what did you want did you want me to go down and grab the ball and try and score <laughs> <a point? laughs> like, you're not on the bleeding bitch no, <laughs> nothing to do with what happens on the pitch you're just calling whatever is happening in front of you yeah. look Anyway, I look, it's all, you laugh it off, you know. Yeah. The last yeah. few years you've started doing a bit of MMA on the show as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I've have you, have you got into it, yeah? I've always been interested in it, but like, I suppose before, when Damien was presented, like he wouldn't, and he'd be first to admit this, I'm not talking behind his back. Damien's no interest as well. in MMA whatsoever, or UFC. Yeah. So he, when I, when I took over from him, it was one of the things I wanted to kind of bring in and do more of it. Uh, because obviously at the time you had Carl Pendred, obviously Connor was starting up, you had Paddy mm. Hoolan, you had Siri, you had a load of Irish guys who were doing really, really well um, for a sport that still had very little recognition. And I still felt that people had the wrong impression of mixed martial arts and the yeah. wrong impression of actually what the sport was about. And it was very easy for politicians when, when Conor McGregor started to get a bit more mainstream and, and the USC came over here, that Dublin show, like you'd had politicians saying, oh, this is blood sport, this is cockfighting for humans. Like, absolute rubbish. And they had no yeah. clue what they were talking about. So I thought the more that we can do to educate people on actually what the sport is like and actually the discipline that's required, the training, the professionalism of these people to actually compete in an incredibly difficult sport, educating people as much as anything else, then the, then great if people can kind of learn and, and understand a bit more about it yeah. instead of just spouting rubbish without actually understanding what it is the sport is about. Then great. So, uh, yeah, like you try and do as much as you can without, obviously because it's a one-hour show, yeah. uh, you, you can't go too heavy on any one different sport and, and, and MMA is still on the outskirts of public consciousness. You know, there's, it's built more of a fan base because of Connor and what he's yeah. done. But, uh, yeah, no, I really enjoy it. I've always really enjoyed it. Same with boxing. Yeah. Are you looking to ever do it or try and get an extra hour or is an hour your grand way? Well, I don't know. Like, at the moment, we've always... It kind of goes like that, doesn't it? Kind it of goes flurries. very quickly. And even, like, mm. you're looking at the clock and you're going, jeez, there's only 10 minutes left. I don't know. Like, I think part of our selling point, our unique selling point, is that we only have an hour. So, off the wall, of three hours, right? And they can spend 25 minutes, half an hour doing an interview. We have eight, nine, ten minutes. Like, mm. that's... yeah. But like we're trying to give you everything you need to know about what's happened during the day in sport in less than an hour. Mm. So I suppose we would feel that maybe sometimes people don't have three hours to sit down and listen to a show. Um, we have 55 minutes, 50 minutes with an ad break. So it's kind of, we can't go as in-depth as, as say the lads from off the ball do. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, we're trying to differentiate mm. ourselves as well. So, like, we would have, as I say, eight or nine minutes. You might cover four or five different topics in the hour. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of offers something different than, yeah. say, what yeah. the lads are doing. So, would I like another hour? I don't know. Sometimes I think, yeah, it'd be great to have another hour. Other times I think, well, 
I suppose we, we attract the listeners based on, on the fact that it is on in an hour, hour so, yeah, you know, yeah. that's a different different side of it. Yeah, it's what keeps it fresh as well, yeah, it? the yeah. fact that you are fast paced like Yeah, that, exactly. You know it is so a fast paced. Leave people wanting more as well to go back. Yeah, and yeah. like that's it. So like, you know, if you sit down if you had half an hour with somebody you could go in depth into an awful lot of stuff. But if you don't have that, you know that. So give us the, the meat and two veg of it here. What's the story? Why is this happening? Why are we talking about it? And then you move on to the next topic. And equally then if you sit down and you think, okay, I'm talking to Willie Mullins. I'm not a horse racing fan. Well, I don't, I don't know that I have seven or eight minutes to get through it before you're on something else that I yeah. might actually enjoy yeah. rather than 25 minutes of something you don't want to hear about. So I think that's another side of it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, sorry, I just, it's it's not yeah. often I get to uh, to indulge in rugby on this show because Grant's yeah. very, very anti-rugby. God bless <laughs> um, very anti-club rugby. Just, yeah. just anti-rugby in general. Um, <laughs> it must... Uh, no way, I'll bring it up another time, it doesn't matter. Um, but in terms of the Irish rugby pitcher in, in general, autumn internationals are six, eight weeks away or whatever it is at this stage. Yeah. Do you think Irish rugby's in a decent shape at the moment or what, what do you reckon? Like, is it? Yeah, I do. I, I do. Um, I suppose I've been kind of critical over the years of, of the RFU policy of not picking guys who go abroad to play rugby. Like, mm. The exception obviously being Jonathan Sexton, but you look at guys who are playing their rugby overseas at the moment, uh, Marty Moore, Marty Moore, yeah, Ian Madigan, even when Jordan Murphy was at Leicester, like you know, he was on the fringes a bit. But I understand why they do it, you know, mm. like if you want to hold on to your best players in Ireland, one of the main attractions for any of the top players is, is, the, is the possibility of playing for Ireland. And if if guys go to France or to England for the money and then still expect to come back in and play for Ireland. You know, I don't know would the RFU be able to hang on to as many top players as they has yeah. as they have over the years. The likes of Brian O'Driscoll, the likes of Paul O'Connell when he was there, like they they never played anywhere else and they yeah. they had offers to go anywhere. But uh, I think I think generally we're in, we're in a pretty good setup now. There's a lot of young good guys coming through. I'd like to see more younger guys get a chance uh, sooner if you like mm. in the Irish team. But uh, but Joe Schmidt has done a has done a pretty good job. I think we're 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 batting yeah. above above average at the moment, you know, with the with the playing resources that we have. Just in terms of the the whole players going abroad and that kind of thing, do you think then the residency rules gonna almost fly in the face of that when you see I know yeah. disrespect to guys like Bundyaki who are being heavily yeah. touted to, to be wearing the jersey this year. Oh yeah, I have a problem with it, I have a huge problem with it. I mm. just think it's it's basically cheapens the international jersey if you have a guy who comes over lives in a country for three years and then all of a sudden he's as, as Irish as, ridiculous. As, as bacon and cabbage that yeah. doesn't work like that but why, why, would the, why would the player want to do it though well you see it's it's money is a huge motivation as well right so it's a professional game and, and obviously if they can get a, a central contract from the IRFU it's worth more mm. money to them but for me your country is your country and if you're able to trade that based on three years of living somewhere else yeah that's wrong to me because it just cheapens the international game and you know England have taken advantage of it New Zealand obviously take advantage of it yeah. Ireland has as well over the last few years look uh, you know for, for someone like CJ Stander he's given everything for Ireland and he's made a huge effort to try and, uh, and integrate it out and he has done he's done brilliantly and it's mm. not his fault it's the rules that were the problem yeah, yeah. they are changing the rules now t- from three years to five, five years yeah but I mean even five years I mean even five years these project you know? players I suppose are you know, gonna fly yeah. in the face of that even, but um, yeah. Paul Kimmage isn't happy with it, is he? I was gonna say CJ, yeah. and I got almost the yeah. It was it was only in the last twelve months, wasn't it? Really, because he's only been able to play the last twelve months. But I know that the, the Paul Kimmage stuff really, yeah. really was sort of close to the bone. I think on that, you know. Yeah, I mean? but and it did annoy a lot of people because 
I think people were annoyed that like CJ Stander would, 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 would bear the brunt of the fallout from it. And it's mm. not his fault. He's abiding by the rules. He's thrown himself into Munster. He's thrown himself yeah. into Ireland. He's brilliant. He's a super guy and he's a great player. So, you know, more power to him. The problem is with the rules and the yeah. rules that allow, facilitate people to be able to trade countries, mm. you know, like they're playing a game of cards or something. So, yeah. well, that's, I think they've addressed it and I think Augustin Pichot has done an awful lot. The former Argentina scrum have to yeah. address that. Uh, five years might might correct the the imbalance a little bit, but uh, we'll wait and see. I personally, yeah. I think it should be seven or eight years. You know, definitely. Yeah, but, uh, still a part of me that wishes Nasiwa hadn't played that one game for Fiji. For Fiji, though. yeah, because he'd be he's playing for Ireland, yeah, yeah you know. or even he could maybe play for the All Blacks. Yeah, know? well, that's also true. Yeah, um, Ireland twenty twenty three. What do you reckon? Absolutely. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. France had it two thousand seven. Uh, Ireland have never hosted it. We have so much to offer. I think as a as a country, even if you're not a rugby head like your man over there, <laughs> I'm sure even Graham would get involved. Listen, he'd be on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be fantastic. I think we've got the, a country of sports nuts that would just put on the best yeah. party that you would see for a long, long time. When do we find out with it? November. Uh, November. Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Only around the corner. Oh yeah. wow! Francis is Africa the biz. I think it's good Africa you can almost discard, but I hope so. I think, <laughs> I think we'll do it. I think we'll get it over the line. It'd be great. Yeah, it would be brilliant. Like and. I mean, you two said, got behind the, their gig in the summer. They did. That's right. Yeah, they gave it a little shout out, a little yeah. acknowledgement. Um, Bono, Bono jumping on the old bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Turning a rock concert into a political message. Yeah. Not like him at all. Not it? like him at all. No. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree, man. I think it would be absolutely amazing if if we can if we can do that. Like. Crack How many grounds do you need? Do we have the grounds? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're all set in stone in the yeah. bay now. So like you'd be using obviously the the, the G- major yeah, yeah. grounds. So Crow Park is involved, Aviva Stadium, uh, Kingspan up in, in Ulster, Semple yeah. Stadium. That, that's looking great, isn't it, Kingspan? Yeah, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. The Women's World Cup final recently in there was fantastic. The atmosphere was brilliant. Mm. It's great. The Women's World Cup done actually really well actually. Oh, uh, women didn't yeah. do great though, did they? Uh, yeah, no, they no, didn't. And uh, I'm not surprised. I have to say it's been coming, but. Um, in terms of the final, it was brilliant. Yeah. New Zealand and England played a great final, so yeah, no, they did a really good job organising it. And I think that'll stand us in good stead as well for 2023. Yeah, the timing was, yeah. was great for us. Exactly. No, yeah. it's no disaster, so great. It's a man yeah. how the gar opening up there. Asher, once, once it was done in 07, that was it. I know, yeah. yeah. I think it's good, like. It's great. But the guy, it's man who's the Some party lads, I tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2023. Just wish they were finished building Crow Park, lads. A big gap at the back. <laughs> Croker's brutal. <laughs> we'll get go it's off brutal that. for wheelchair users. My God. Yeah, really? There's no point in going. Yeah, there's absolutely no point in going. Jesus. You're at the same level as... as uh, If you were in a seat in front of me, yeah. instead of being kind of like the Aviva, yeah. you're at the same level. So if you stand up to see the ball going down the wing, I haven't... You're I a ghost. I you're can't gone. see it. Yeah, yeah. ghost. Um, brutal. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're running out of time, Shihio. Um which is a pity because any time we get to talk about sport, just for any length of time, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Listen, but, um, yeah. Did you watch the boxing at the weekend? I did. Which thing about? Four in the morning. I watched Billy Joe Saunders. I was actually at the dog. I was at um, Shelburne Park for the, the Greyhound, uh, the Derby semi-finals, and I came home, had a couple of beers. I watched Billy Joe Saunders fight. Oh, was boring. Absolute shambles. Uh, but he won, I suppose. Look, you know, but your William Monroe, I was very disappointed in him. And then I went to bed at about one, set the alarm for ten to four, got up and watched Golovkin win convincingly, as far as I can see. Canelo Alvarez, and how that judge scored a one one eight, one ten. I will never, as long as I'm here. But it's you know what, boxing has serious issues, serious corruption. Like there's nothing, there's nothing 
that would convince me that that wasn't a corrupt decision. Oh, and absolutely. now they go and have the rematch, and now Golden Boy Promotions, Delahoy, and everybody else makes another fortune, and uh, everybody you know continues on and life's great, isn't it? Well, sorry. but isn't it? Gas I won't people? watch the rematch. I will not. Rock no, it. and no, I don't think I don't think uh, Golovkin should take it. If he, he was balls, robbed, he was robbed. Balls, he, he actually said, "Look, it was a disgrace." If he was any balls, he'd say, "No thanks, no rematch. I'll go on. I'll fight someone else. Yeah. I'll earn a few quid. I still have the belts." And. Uh, and, and move on. It was it was just. A but isn't it gas that people were saying McGregor Mayweather will ruin boxing? Delahoya De was saying it. But, but De La Hoya was saying that it. did more yeah. damage for boxing that decision. Yeah, than McGregor that happened. Hundred percent. And Rio Ferdinand is now going <laughs> to chance his arm at it. Is is, is, is this real or is it like his charity or is it is he actually getting a pro boxing license? Well, I've seen in the news. I, I didn't yeah. bother reading it because the second I seen it, I was like, ah, here, lads. He's what 38, 39? 38, yeah. You know, I, mean, I think he's still trying to fill a bit of a void in his life and obviously with his wife passing his way and stuff that Jesus documentary yeah. pretty, did you pretty, see that documentary uh, yeah it was tough to watch but like look I don't know how good he's going to be as a boxer uh, we'll wait and see Freddie Flintoff tried something similar and he got I got embarrassed sick for it so yeah. uh, look I don't know we'll see well, but the look, Freddie Flintoff one was more so for the TV show yeah, wasn't it, was, it? Yeah, yeah. so is this real one more so it seems to be no oh, he yeah. seems to be trying to go the pro route but uh, we'll Christ wait and see honest. let him try fight Sonny Bill Williams I'd watch that yeah. yeah, I think you might, might have to call an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I know we said you don't do Facebook, but Twitter or anything like that, or Game On Twitter and that kind of thing. Where can people get it? Um, yeah, so at Game On Two FM on Twitter. Uh, better off leave me out of it because <laughs> I just say something stupid. But anyway, but uh, yeah, but no, don't no Facebook. Social media is just it's a bizarre thing. It's great for news and all that kind of stuff, but generally. It yeah. is mad, it's a strange it? world out there. Le- so uh, there are a lot of strange people out there. So uh, leave the Trump. Yeah, I came on two FM. If you want to get in touch with the Daddy, show, and uh, if people haven't checked out Game On, in yeah, general. seven to eight two FM, uh, Monday to Friday, with Mr. Alan Cawley and Gary Murphy. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're interested in sport, uh, come and check it out. It'd be great. Amazing man, amazing. Uh, we're at WTS Pod on Twitter. And you can check out the 116 odd episodes we've brought to you before on WTSPod.com or iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, all those wonderful places. You're at America, man. You're at Don't Worry. Seamless man, teamwork. I love it. I love it. Duo, the deadly yeah. duo. Is that what you're calling us now? Was it? <laughs> yeah, just since yeah. now. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and thanks for Patrick Castle who uh, put a roof over our head as always. But lads, until next week, you thank you. Thanks, thanks, lads. thanks you. Here is. Well, Can't lose. Look.